It's good to see you guys this morning, and uh, we are starting a new series today. Um, it's called Vivid, and um, we had uh, kicked around another series we were we were thinking about doing, and I kind of switched gears uh, on everybody uh, about two days ago, and I was just I just just praying, and just God just. He moved me in a different direction, and, and I just I started asking the question leading up to Easter, and, and, and always, what do we want people to see? What do we want someone to see? And, and I don't, as, as great as things are, as beautiful as the building is, and, you know, as, as, as great as our musicians are, and our staff, and everybody, and I, what do we want people, I want people to see Jesus, I want Jesus to be seen above everything that we do. I want Jesus to be reflected in everything that we do. And I know sometimes, guys, we, we don't always get it right, and sometimes we fall short, and sometimes we mess up. And, and you know what? We have to back up and start over. And, and, but that's the cry of my heart, especially leading up to Easter and saying, God, what do we want people to see? I want them to see Jesus. And that's why we're here. That's why we exist. We exist as New Life Church to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ and engage them in the life and mission of the church that he's called us to be part of. And so that's why we're here. We are here so people can see Jesus. And so as I begin to just kind of answer that question, this is where this, this series just kind of has, has come out of, this idea that we want it to be vivid. We want to paint a picture, we want to paint a portrait of Jesus over the next few weeks that is so vivid that people are compelled by it. We want to tell the story of Jesus in such a way that is so vivid that people are moved by it. And we want to tell that story of Jesus that people can, it just, it, they can just gravitate to it to say, this is who I need in my life. This is the completion of my heart. And so, that's what this series is about, this idea of vivid, that we get a chance for the next several weeks just to tell the story, just to tell the story to possibly, perhaps, maybe even introduce someone to Jesus for the first time. And maybe, maybe, you know, that they change their heart, their, their life has changed, and, and as they give their heart to Christ, we want to see that. That is our goal. And so this morning, as we, we look at this, and... Um, this idea of vivid and being able to see. I know it was, I didn't tell them to sing that song, so I don't, man, good job. I, I switched up gears on y'all, and y'all sang Amazing Grace, you know, and this whole thing about I was blind and now I see, it just kind of fits right in. And so uh, if you got your Bible, let's go to Mark chapter 10. Now, as a kid, um, and it's kind of a running joke around the office that i am I'm got a colorblind deficiency, um, and they they make fun of me a lot of times. They say, "Why did you let the colorblind guy pick out the colors?" You know, and you know I was painting a wall back here. That we've been working on the sound booth, and the sound booth looks awesome. We've got all kinds of space for activities back there. They could play an entire football game back there in that sound booth now. Yes, they don't. They're not all tangled up on each other. They can spread out, and so we're we're glad that they can they can do that. But I was painting the wall. They're like, "Why why did you let him pick the color? He, he doesn't. He can't even see what it is, right?" And it's not quite that bad. I have a slight deficiency. I, I've always had bad eyesight. So when I was in the second grade, I had to get glasses. 
And I remember, and my dad was pastoring in this area. He was actually pastoring what is now uh, Reborn Nation Church. Uh, we, he was pastoring up in Effingham County, and we were living there. And I remember my mom took me down to, uh, took me into Savannah to get me fitted for glasses. And I remember driving down Abercorn. When I put those glasses on, I began to see things. And I'm like... Hey, that's KFC. You know, obviously I picked out all the food restaurants, right? You know, all the food establishments. You know, that's me. Like, I can see that sign. I, I can see that. It was amazing that just how my world opened up and changed because I was able to see. And so I have rocked along in life, and glasses have helped me immensely. Uh, my glasses are extremely thick, and so I don't wear those anymore. My wife begs me not to wear those out in public. Um, but I wear contacts, and, and my eyes are so good now that I have to wear contacts and reading glasses. That's how good my eyes are. So, um, so yeah, I, I have trouble sometimes with, with vision. But I, I, when I was 18, I went to work for the ice company. And the ice company uh, in Valdosta, Georgia, had me go take a physical. And this physical, they, they gave me this book. And they said, okay, I want you to tell me the numbers that you see on this page. And I began to flip through, and I'd say a number, and, and I'd flip to the next page, and I'm like, there's no number on that page. And she's like, really? It's like, yeah, there's no number on that page. It's just a bunch of dots, you know. And I would flip over, and I would tell the next number. Then I'd flip over, and I was another, another non-numbered page, right? And I'm, I'm not getting it. And the doc's like, oh, they're just over there just making notes, right? <laughs> And they tell me after this physical, they said, uh, Mr. Ogden, they said, you uh, have a slight colorblind deficiency. And so I was, I was blown away. I was like, I, I didn't realize this. And, and so I wanted to show you guys maybe a little bit of what my world's like. Uh, can you put that up there? How many, how many? Now, this is a C. How many of you guys can see the C? All right. How many? Gosh, y'all are all overachievers. Look at you. All you well-visioned people out there, I hate you. All right, no, I don't hate you. <laughs> so, so part of this is to be able to not only see the sea, but see the break in the sea. How many can see the break in the sea? Yeah, overachievers once again. We're great. That's awesome. So there's something. Now, I can actually see this. This I didn't pull out one that I couldn't see because obviously, you know, I wanted to be an overachiever today too. Uh, but, you know, it, it, this is difficult for some, for some people. They, they don't always make out everything in the picture. Um, and, and I went and took it again last night, took another test last night as I was getting ready for this, and um, it, it, came, it came out that I, have, I am a pro-tan. Uh, my colorblind deficiency is categorized as pro-tan, which is about one-fourth of people with uh, colorblind deficiency have this. And so uh, it was interesting. I, I'm learning all kinds of great stuff about myself that I just can't see anything, apparently. Um, and I began to think about this, this idea of not being able to see. And I, I was watching some, some YouTube videos, and maybe some of y'all have seen it, that these people who, they're extremely colorblind, way more than me. Um, there are these glasses now that they can put on that allows them to be able to see vivid colors. I mean, have you guys seen any of these? 
and uh, you can go watch them. And I just watched probably ten of them last night, and I was just crying. You know, oh my gosh, you know, because as soon as they would put the glasses on, there was one one kid in particular. He was probably, you know, he's probably about twelve years old. And he was in this class, and uh, they brought him these glasses, and they said, put these on. And he, he pulled them out, and he put them on, and it was like he stopped and looked around the room. And you could just see his, his expression that he just it, just, it just affected him so much that he began to weep because he, for the first time, began to see the colors that everyone else was seeing. And, and he would walk up to the board where the, the, uh, the element chart was on the, on the classroom wall, and he would just touch the colors because he was able to see it for the first time. And, and to me, I was like, that just, just amazing because for me, that's what I want people to experience when they see Jesus. I want people that when Jesus steps into their life, I want them to have that feeling like they are putting on glasses to be able to see the world the way it was meant to be seen for the first time. I want people to be able to experience Jesus in such a way that the world just begins to pop with color. And that was actually one guy, that was his description. He says, I'm so glad that now I can see the world as God created it to be seen. And, and I love that. I love that, that sometimes we don't always get that. Sometimes we are deficient. Sometimes we are disabled when it comes to seeing things as we should, maybe even seeing ourselves as we should. So I want us to go to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 46. Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 46 and maybe you've heard of this guy, this guy by the name of Bart we're going to read about. Mark chapter 10, verse 46, and it says, And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples, and who is this? This is Jesus. As he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great cloud, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, cheer up, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak he, cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, or Rabone, as, as the original text would have, have described it, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Now, I want us to look at the life of this guy by the name of Bartimaeus. Randy, can you hand me that, that afghan? Now, my team, Georgia Tech, just won the ACC tournament yesterday. And that's hence the colors here. But... 
We're going to pretend like Bartimaeus was an ACC fan this, this morning, okay? But I want you to think about it. I want you to walk with me through this story. I want you to walk with me through this idea of this guy, Bartimaeus. Now, Bartimaeus was a blind man. We might know him as blind Bartimaeus, and, and maybe you can't even say Bartimaeus without feeling like you need to say blind Bartimaeus. Blind Bartimaeus uh, was a man who lived in Jericho. Now, Jericho was a town about 15 miles outside of Jerusalem. And where we're at in the story of, of Jesus' journey is Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem for the final week of his life. Jesus is on his way to celebrate Passover, which leading up to this journey, this is just Jesus, this is basically his 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 final trip up this road in in a sense is that it's it's going to be it's going to be different from this point on and Jesus comes through Jericho because it's the main road uh, to get to Jerusalem. You have to go through Jericho, and there would have been a lot of people had, that would be traveling this road. So that's why Bartimaeus was sitting where he was sitting is because there would be a lot of travelers that would come through going to celebrate Passover, and Bartimaeus would be able to call out for alms for the poor. And so he would hold, hold out his, his hands, he would hold out his cloak, and people would, would drop coins on his cloak or in his hands to be able to give alms to the poor. Now, Bartimaeus, if you look at his name, now the name Bartimaeus is really, I don't even know if this was really his name or if this is more kind of a description of him. Because if you look at the name Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus is kind of a compound. You have uh, in Hebrew, uh, the bar, B-A-R, it means son. And so anytime that you see Bar, Bartimaeus, uh, Barabbas, uh, this is someone who is the son of. And so that's what that means, that Bar is kind of an a indicator, the son of. And so Bartimaeus really means son of Timaeus. Well, what is Timaeus? Now, in the Greek, Timaeus it means honor. And you would say, well, that's what it's written in. It means honor. But Mark, if you understand the gospel of Mark, the gospel of Mark is the shortest gospel of all the gospels. It was the gospel that was written to the Roman people who were Greeks. It was uh, written in such a way that it's a very quick story. It's fast, and if you read in the book of Mark, you'll see things like immediately Jesus went here, and suddenly this happened here. And so it's a very fast pace. It would be what would be the equivalent to our action movie today, right? Uh, that would be the book of Mark. The book of Mark is its action movie uh, scenario. And so Bartimaeus uh, is a, this, this compound of these two words, bar and Timaeus. But Timaeus in Greek is honor. But Timaeus in Hebrew means unclean. And so what we're saying is this, is that Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus, the son of the unclean, the son of the poverty-stricken, the son of the sickly, that's this guy's moniker. That's this guy's tagged label. Y'all, you're, you're blind Bartimaeus. You're the son who is sickly. You're the son who is ill. And how many of you know that our, our, our societies, we can put a lot of labels on people, and maybe you've carried a label through your life like Bartimaeus. 
And so Bartimaeus was carrying this label that he is blind Bartimaeus. Not only is he the son of the sick or son of the unclean or son of poverty, he is the blind son of poverty. And so this is, this is Bartimaeus' life. And Bartimaeus has this cloak that he has wrapped around him, and his cloak is his, it's his livelihood. It, it kind of signifies him as someone who is poor and needs help. It signifies that he is someone who cannot really take care of himself, that he needs some people to come along with him. And so he, so he puts this cloak over him. He puts this cloak on his shoulders, and his cloak becomes basically his warmth. This cloak becomes that which would uh, shelter him from the rain. And it's almost less than a coat and more like a tent. I think a poncho almost that he would take and he would kind of shelter underneath this. That this cloak has become his identity for a long time. And so he's wearing this cloak. He is sitting there and, and he's waiting for people to come by and, and alms for the poor, alms for the blind, alms for those who are ill, poverty stricken. And this is Bartimaeus' life. And he gets this wind of this guy named Jesus is coming along. Now, Jesus is, I'm sure Jesus is busy. I'm sure Jesus has things to do, right? He's got to get to Jerusalem. But in all the commotion, I love how the story describes this. And we see here that Bartimaeus, as Jesus gets close, he can hear him. He can hear it. And it says that he heard. What did he do? Bartimaeus used what he had and not what he wished he had. Bartimaeus focused on what he had and not on what he didn't have. He focused, you know what, I can hear. You know what, so I'm going to use my hearing. Hey, something's coming, somebody's coming. It's Jesus. He used his hearing. He also used his voice. What did he do? He began to cry out. Jesus, son of David. This is the only place, this is the only place that this term son of David is used in the book of Mark. That's interesting because Jesus stops. It gets his attention. And as every, everywhere else Jesus is described, Jesus of Nazareth, here Bartimaeus says, Jesus, son of David, which is a messianic term. It's something he's saying, hey, you're somebody that can do something for us. You're somebody that can do something for me. So Bartimaeus begins to use his voice. He has used his ears, and now he is using his voice. See, some of us need to realize this, that we don't need to overlook what God has already put in our hands. There, there are things sometimes about our life, sometimes we, we don't appreciate maybe some things that we have. Maybe there's an experience that you've had that not everybody else has had, and, and, and you don't appreciate it. And maybe you, there's this tendency to overlook things. Maybe there's this tendency to overlook maybe uh, parts of your story. Maybe there's this tendency to overlook maybe skill sets that you have or maybe uh, these experiences that you have. And, and you say, well, that's, that's not really anything great. That's not anything special. Bartimaeus could have said, you know what, I'm just a blind man. There's nothing I can do. But he actually said, I do hear. And I do have a voice, and I'm not going to miss my chance to use what I have 
to get God's attention. I'm not going to miss a chance to use what I have to reach out and get Jesus' attention. And that's exactly what he did. He used what he had and not what he wished he had. He used, he focused on what he had and didn't focus on what he didn't have because he knew he had to get to Jesus. He knew that he had to make contact with Jesus some way. And so he begins to cry out and everybody else just begins, man, shut up. I know you're not supposed to say that, but that's probably kind of what they told him, you know. Hush, be silent. He doesn't have time for you. He doesn't have time for the Jesus is an important man. He's, he's an important teacher. He's got to get to Jerusalem. He doesn't have time to spend with you. And he continues to cry out. He continues to use his voice and cry out, Jesus, son of David. I love the fact that he didn't let them shut him up. Sometimes we let people shut us up too quick. Sometimes we let people stifle our praise. Sometimes we let people stifle the cry of our heart. And, 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 and you know what? We need to be the person that says, no, nope, I need Jesus more than anything else right now. So if it bothers you, I am sorry, but i got to get to Jesus. I, 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 I'm sorry if this bothers you, I've got to get to the Father. I'm sorry if my praise gets on your nerves, but you know what? I'm not praising for you. I'm praising for him because he's got what I need, and so I've got to get to where he's at. I need Jesus. And so he cries out all the, all the more louder. I love that. I love that little line in there that said he cried even louder. You can't shut me up. You can't stop me. You can't silence me. I got to get to Jesus. I need Jesus to come and do something for me. See, he was willing also to let go of what was familiar to attain what was fulfilling. What do we see in the story? It says that Jesus stopped and said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Tell him to come here. And they said, man, this is your lucky day. He stopped. Cheer up, buddy. He's, he's, he's wanting to talk to you. And what did Bartimaeus do? He takes that cloak and throws it off. It's his identity. It's his security. Now, I know about security blankets because I carried one for the first six years of my life till my dad wrapped it around a water tank at a church that he pastored, right? I remember that blanket, and then I remember the day it went up around that water tank, right? And I'm like, it's there. I grieved it. I, you know, it was a loss for me. And, and, but, but for me, that was my security. And, and so if you think about Bartimaeus, that he throws this cloak off, and he's like, and this is the time. This is not the time for me to sit in what is familiar. This is not the time for me to sit from where it is comfortable. This is not the time for me to just stay in the place that I've always known, be here and be the person that I've always been. This is not the time for me to do that. This is the time for me to reach out and allow Jesus to do something for me. And that's exactly what we see happening here. He was willing to throw off everything that was familiar for him and reach out to something that was going to be fulfilling to him. He was willing to throw off everything that was comfortable and move out of that place and say, I'm coming. Even through the difficulty of trying to get there. And Jesus is there. What does Jesus do? Jesus walks up and looks at him. And he's a blind man now. And Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? <laughs> what do you think he wants you to do for him? Right? 
I mean, but it goes deeper than that. Because if you look at the story right above this, it's kind of the inverse. You have two guys who are disciples of Jesus, who are walking with Jesus, and they're walking with Jesus. They say, hey, Jesus, now they're fully capable young men. They have full capacity. They have their eyesight. They have their hearing. They can speak. They can walk. They can run. They can work. And they come to Jesus and say, Jesus, we want you to do us a favor. And Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? The same question. And what they ask is so much different because they say, you know what? We want you to do us a favor. We want to be big time in your kingdom. Oh, really? You want to be sit on my right hand and my left hand? You want to be big time? You want to be big shots in my kingdom, really? And it's interesting, so if you move just a few lines down, he's asking this man the same question, but he gets a very different response, I think. I think and Jesus is asking this question in a very different way. He's like, Bartimaeus, everything that you've ever known, everything that you've ever done has been wrapped up in this cloak. But what do you really want what is your deepest need and he looks at him he says i want to recover my sight and if you look at the greek translation here it's it's can even be translated in the sense that you say i want to be able to look up think about this man he's looked down all his life He's looked at nothing, really. He has had this posture of just have nothing and people having to give him coins here and there. And now what he's asking is, I need you not just to give me sight, but I need you to give me life. I want to go from looking down to looking up. I want to go from my life being down to my life being up. And what does Jesus do? He touches him. And instantaneously, immediately, he recovers his sight. And I love how this story ends. I love how the story ends. Because it's like Bartimaeus, you think about, just think about what you would do. You've just gotten your sight back. What would you do? What would you would you go run home? Would you would you go find people that you used to know? What did Bartimaeus do? The Bible says this. It says that he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Immediately, he was changed and immediately became a follower of Jesus. And I think this is kind of what he said. He's like, where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? Jesus, wherever you go, that's where I go. Jesus, wherever you lead me, that's where I'm going to go because I want to be with the person that gave me sight. I want to be with the person that helped me to stop looking down but to look up. I want to be with the person who changed my life and not just gave me sight back but gave me life and gave me a vivid life. And so when we look at this and we look at this story, he followed Jesus and said, wherever you go, that's where I'm going to go. Wherever Jesus wants to take you, that's where I want to go. So this morning, guys, I'm going to ask somebody to come play. I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this morning. Maybe the things that Satan has lied to you about, maybe the things that people have tried to get you to 
just stop doing. Maybe they've tried to stifle your praise in a way. Maybe they've tried to shortcut the promise that God has on your life. Maybe they've tried to get you to believe something else about yourself. But the thing is this. I believe Jesus wants us to begin to see ourselves and to see the world and to see the promise that he has for us in a vivid manner. That it's not just that we have sight, but we have vivid sight. I begin to see myself as God created me. I begin to see the world as God created it. I begin to see his promise as he's, as he's put it on us. I begin to see where he is leading me. And so wherever he leads me, that's where I want to go. So this morning, I want you to stand with me. And we're going to close out, and they're going to lead us in this song. But what is... What are the things that you need to throw off this morning? Maybe it's something that somebody told you. Maybe it's something that somebody said about you. Maybe it's a thought that you've had and he's like, "Mm -mm, I've carried that around too long. It's time to stop. It's time to let go of that. It's time to grab hold of something that is not familiar, but grab hold of something that is going to fulfill me. It's that time, guys. What does that look like for you? Let's sing the song together. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. You're worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. I live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you.
So, Lord, we come to you now. And, Father, our life may have so many things that has been, these labels that have been put upon us. This morning, Lord, we're wanting to cast off the weights. We want to cast off the chains. We want to cast off the things that have held us down, that have held us back. This morning, Lord, we want to walk in the light. We want to walk in sight. We want to walk in the victory that you give us. And so right now, we declare that where our trust is in you, we declare, Lord, that you are our vision, that you are our sight, that you are our healing, that you are our deliverer, that you are our guide, that you are that which brings us out of the familiar into fulfillment. You are that which completes us. You are that, Lord. God, you are that which surrounds us. And so we're not going to walk anymore with these things that hold us down and hold us back. But Lord, this morning we declare our victory. We declare that you have made us to be healed and to be changed. We're your children. And we're going to follow you wherever you lead us, wherever you send us. Wherever you go, Lord, that's where we want to go. So we give you this morning, and this is our prayer. This is our commitment. This is, Lord, our anthem. This is our victory. We sing this, we pray this, we shout this out like Bartimaeus did. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on us. And you will, and you have. We thank you this morning for your love, and we ask your blessing on us in Jesus' name. Amen.